Hey guys, Austin Nasso here. Welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. It's been a while, I know. Um, it's been pretty busy for me with the holidays, and I'm trying to focus on less comedy things at the same time. Uh, I'm trying to experiment with doing a month and a half of sketch, month and a half or so of improv, and then I'm going to go up to Seattle for a full month and do stand-up. With that all being said, I'm slowing down with the podcast quite a bit. I'm probably not going to post that often. It'll be more sporadic. Uh, so I just wanted to let you guys know that that's happening. But I love this podcast a lot, and I know it can help a lot of people. So when I get the inspiration and the time, I will continue doing it. Anyway, back to this interview. Uh, in this interview... Uh, I spoke with Josh Lanzett, a Los Angeles-based comedian and Google employee. Uh, we have a really cool conversation here. So it's interesting because it's not necessarily all about comedy directly, but it's tangentially related to comedy, uh, the first part, and then it gets more specific into comedy. Uh, we start by talking about virtual assistants, how you can hire people to help manage your workload. Um, so I imagine that's something that not a lot of people have thought of. If you have just so much stuff going on, you can delegate. Uh, personal organization. How do you organize your life? That's important. If you're a comedian, you should have a good personal life organization strategy. Um, and it's interesting seeing what Josh's is because it's so detailed. Uh, Josh has a really systematic approach to hitting mics. Uh, that I think we can all learn from. We talk about balancing a high-tech day job and comedy. Not necessarily relevant to everyone, but the principles of balancing a difficult job and comedy are there. And then um, overcoming that resistance we face, the creative resistance when um, you're not really doing what you're good at. So... We talk about all that stuff, and it's really interesting, and Josh is great. So I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm here with Josh Lanzett, a great comedian and a producer of digital comedy and a tech employee at <laughs> Google. Can I say that? I could say this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine. Sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming all the way out here. Oh, yeah. It was it was good. It was good. I took that ride. Literally, I take phone calls from the car to make it worthwhile. So it was good. Yeah, so you worked basically on your way here. 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, I feel like living, you know, everyone complains about the traffic in LA, which is, you know, obviously it's challenging. But for me, I'm trying to make use of every minute that I have. So, like, I'll schedule calls, whether personal or work, for when I'm in the car. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, you really, like, don't... The traffic doesn't affect you because it's not like you're on your way to work. No. I Well, I mean, the traffic... I, listen, I don't sit there being like, I love this. I'm not doing that, but, you know, I'm definitely... There are only so many hours in the day, and, um, you know, I'm just trying to... I don't want to waste them if I don't have to. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. So we were just talking about um, you have virtual assistants <laughs> yeah, to yeah. help you with your life. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, so I think what's so crazy is that 
you, you hear it thrown around, right? Like you, you hear people, I think people have heard the phrase virtual assistant, um, but no one really pursues it further than that. And for me, my thought was, you know, I, I obviously can't afford to have an assistant. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not the CEO of some company, but, uh, but you can get, you know, there's a, there's a virtual assistant. It's much cheaper because they're not here. Um, and it makes life easier at a reasonable price. You know what I mean? Like kind of what I, I was telling another comic the other day was, you know, for the price that I have a virtual assistant, um, don't buy two beers at the next open mic you go to. Mm, there it is. There's the money. That's really? Money. Yeah. hundred percent. How much does it cost? Right now I pay $15 a month. That's it? Mm-hmm. That's so cheap. I know. And like, yeah, some of the others are, are maybe more expensive and, you know, but, but for me it's $15 to get things off my plate. Yeah. Know? So for those that don't know, what is a virtual assistant? Totally fair question. Um, so a virtual assistant is uh, someone you can communicate with, you know, over chat, over email. Um, and you can just give them tasks and based on however much you pay, you have a limited number of tasks you can get. Um, but you can give them tasks that they can see. Maybe that's your virtual assistant calling. No, it's probably my manager. I mean, both oh, are good. No, it's not. It's a, it's a random number. Yeah. It's a random number calling me. It's this, you know, listen, if I could have a virtual assistant fix my spam problem, I, I would. Um, a random number called my work. Teams. We use Teams. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, anyway, so I'm trying to remember what I was just saying. Mm, oh. What a virtual assistant is. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah. So, it's someone you can communicate with over over um, uh, email or over chat and just give them tasks, you know, and you can't give them something that's incredibly complex and just assume it counts as one task. Like, I can't say, you know, if you can go through the dictionary and find every word that has an X in it. Like, no. I mean, actually, I'm sure you can actually write a script to do that relatively quickly. But bigger tasks like that, I'm not going to give. But I do think there are smaller things that one can use it for. Um, you know, a, a really a good recent example was uh, I had to get something fixed in my car. And it was a little more expensive than what I wanted, which is crazy because I drive a 2002 Toyota. So the fact that anything is expensive with that car is a miracle. A bad miracle? Yeah. What's the opposite of a miracle? A curse? Uh, I don't know. A heinous accident. Yes. Uh, I, I, yes. Uh, <laughs> it was that. So I literally just hit up my virtual assistant. I said, listen, this is like a part that I need. Would you know? Can you please find five places within a five-mile radius of where I live that, that sell this and, uh, and just tell me what the prices are and what the warranties are against that part? And so, you know, it's not like a monumental thing. And it's something perhaps I could do, but... It saved me probably 30 minutes to an hour out of my day. Yeah. So tasks are defined to take up to like an hour by it the depends. standard. It depends what service you use. I, I mean, you know, I mean, some some services, it's like 20 minutes. Um, some are 30 minutes. It really all depends. I'm not necessarily endorsing anything one way or the other. But um, my service, it's usually it's loose 20 minutes, but it's usually more than that. And they're pretty OK about that. Interesting. So that's so yeah. cool. When yeah. did you start doing this and why? Um, you know what's funny? So I, I, I saw somebody speak probably, I want to say three years ago, and um, they laid out all these really interesting things. And a lot of the things that they were talking about um, in their lecture were 
Uh, some were from four hour work week and, and, you know, a, a lot of like the Tim Ferriss phenomenon and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the, one of the many things that I remember from that talk was, uh, the expression outsource your life. And one of the things that he said is he was like, you know, um, I have a handyman, I have a maid and bear in mind, this person may, makes a lot more money than, than probably either of us do. Uh, but you know, cause I don't have a handyman or a maid. Um, but, uh, but he was like, you know, I have a handyman and a maid and a this and a that. And, um, and they all have a key to my apartment. And they work through my virtual assistant who has access to my calendar to schedule when they're going to be there when I'm not there. They come in. They do what needs to be done. If I have any specific notes of things I want them to do, I drop it to my virtual assistant and make sure that, you know, when they're in communication with these people, that they mention the things I need done. They come in. They come out. And I never see them. And I don't worry about it. That's so great. Right. And it's, you know, and it's really interesting. And again, you know, I'm not necessarily in the financial tier where all of that makes sense for me. Um, But I I do think the tenants behind using a virtual assistant of kind of like it's it's the way I explained it once to a girl I dated that actually does not live far from where we are right now. um, I said, sometimes my day to day, I feel like um, I work in a kitchen as an expediter. And essentially what that means is you know, uh, orders are coming in and the sous chefs and the line cooks are putting dishes out and I'm there and I'm mixing and matching and putting things together and making sure all the dishes get out on time. And I often will feel like the way I explain it to her is at a certain point, no matter the scenario, it's orders in dishes out. And that's what has to happen. And I think that having a virtual assistant sometimes feels like when I'm in this kitchen and the plates are flying at my face, metaphorically speaking, that I have another person next to me who's kind of helping um, to bridge the gap a little bit, make it easier for me. That's so cool. Yeah. And you got that from that talk. Yeah. I got so many things from that talk, some silly things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he used to say, uh, swallow your frogs. Uh, have you heard that expression? No. So, uh, uh, it's essentially doing the things that you don't want to do first. So when I wake up in the morning, if I have things I really don't want to do that day, I will do them immediately. An email I don't want to send, a person that I don't necessarily want to communicate with for whatever reason, um, an organizational thing, running numbers, crunching this, doing that, paying bills, whatever. If it's the thing I want to do the least in that day, I will do it immediately as soon as I wake up slash get out of the gym. Interesting. What is that because you otherwise you'll keep procrastinating it? Well, 100%. You can find 80 different things to do when you don't want to do a thing. Right. Like I, I, I have to tell you, there is a very, very small likelihood, very small that I would have organized every uh, cleaning spray and product under my kitchen sink. But I had to do my real ID, like the California real ID paperwork and fill out that application. I found things to procrastinate with. I would have never done before. You know what I mean? Because you can always find a thing to do. But if you say to yourself, no matter what, I'm going to fill out this application first thing, start of the day, you know, then you won't be organizing the chemicals under your kitchen. What do you have to do for that? I have the to get an ID. ID. Yeah. I have to get a California ID. I just did it. I just did it. And by from the way. From New York? No, I got it from California. Um, I mean, didn't you previously have a New York ID? I did, but then I got a California one when I okay. moved here. But then you have to get the, re- the, the title being real ID now. And... Um, you know, and what I would advise is to fill out the application ahead of time. Oh, and not go to the DMV first. No, 
get fill out the application online, get it done, and then and then head to the DMV. Um, because I was able to get in and out, and oh my god, if I can give advice to you and anyone who has to do this, I liked my old picture, and so I didn't think I'd have to take a new one. So I came directly from the gym. Spoiler alert: you have to take a new photo. So don't do that. Oh wow. Yeah, didn't look my best. Interesting. Wait, and then did you do the thing where you schedule an appointment? Funny enough, I did, but I couldn't make the appointment uh, because uh, uh, a last-minute trip came up. So I went the day before, and I just went. Um, Walk in. I went at 8 a.m., and yeah, it wasn't long. I waited uh, maybe an hour. Oh. Start to finish. An hour. That's not terrible. No. I have to do that. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my thing so I don't forget. Yeah. and I have a good to-do system. Fill it out first thing in the morning. Okay, I'm going to do that. Fill out... This is the most interesting podcast for everyone listening. What? Just Fill listening out to you? DMV forms. I'm writing that down. Do you have um, some sort of system you use for like um, like to-do listing? Oh, yeah. Some sort of elaborate thing? Oh, yeah. So I um, this is going to sound weird to anyone who's listening. Um, so I essentially, uh, uh, quote, unquote, kind of hacked my Gmail. So I use a multiple inbox system in my in, in within my one Gmail interface. And so I get emails and as soon as I get emails, I know all the keyboard shortcuts. I will go through every single email in my inbox and immediately filter it to um, waiting for a follow up, uh, you know, required follow up from me, uh, things I need to read and any particular immediate tasks I can get out. Uh, and I will I will go through my inbox multiple times a day, maybe like three or four times a day, sort them all into different sections of what I need to do. Um, and then I will like put a 30 minute block on my calendar that says, go through the things you're waiting for and follow up or go through the things that need action from you and follow up. So like I, I set it up in such a way that literally any given moment I can look at my inbox and know exactly what I need to do and what I'm waiting for. Oh, that's great. So yeah. you read getting things done. I, that is, it is a tenet of getting things done. Yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And that's what you emulated it. Yeah. I, I mean, I brought it to my inbox. I think that, um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, there's a, a comedian named Zach Stein and he posted, um, an Instagram story that showed that he had like, and you know, if he ever hears this, keep me honest, Zach, I think this is right. But it was like, it was like 20,000 emails or something like that, which gave me massive anxiety. And I messaged him as much, but for me, I was like, Yes, there's like some people choose to do that and that's okay. But for me, I've made my email work for me. Yeah. Like I don't need just a bunch of junk sitting there. Like for me, I have multiple filters. When certain emails come from certain people, they're auto labeled already. So I know exactly what's going on. Um, that's great. Yeah. For me, I don't communicate enough via email for that to be a significant thing. If something comes in that's not spam, I'm surprised and it's important. Really? Yeah. How do you communicate more? Like an email, are you texting? Um, well, at work, my email's all important. Yeah. So then that comes in, but I'm not dealing with clients. Yeah. It's just other people on my team. Usually we just have like a Slack type of system and when I work day to day for work and then for comedy stuff, I use Facebook. That's so interesting. I just Facebook message. Which is funny because I'm not as good as at, at that as you saw over the past week. I'm not. Oh yeah, it I, took a while. Right, and then what I, what I said, and I should have said it sooner and that's totally on me, is like I'm better on text. Um, you know, I usually get back. I think you saw, I usually get back pretty quickly on a text message. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there is an 
end state within the next couple years, if it doesn't exist already in some way, shape, or form, to consolidate all the different ways people can communicate into just one. That'd be so, great. Right. So if I just had one inbox that has my Facebook messages, Instagram, it should be called messages, one inbox. A hundred percent. I mean, I think I think you just had a million dollar idea. Let's go. Wait, yeah, actually. Where it just gets all, you plug in your Facebook Messenger, you plug in your Google sure. accounts, and you plug in everything. Yeah, and you could do, um, you could pull in through through an API or, or you know any kind of push that you want. You could do a pop, you know, pop the pop your mail in from Gmail, whatever you want to do. But I think there are different ways you could do that. I just that must exist, right? Maybe someone's probably tried, but I think that the challenge is getting the APIs functioning the way you want them to. Oh, I wonder. I hope none of these comedians take this idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good say. idea, honestly. But I think that's that's a challenge right now. Yeah, the think, getting things done is also everyone should pick up that book. I was really good. I actually rather enjoyed it, and I'm not someone who enjoys like I don't like dry things. I I, I was very helpful for me. Yeah, it's very dry, and it sounds extremely unappealing, but it's basically. <laughs> how you organize and sort and all the things that you have to do in your life and make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. I feel yeah. like it's really good. Well, I think the other thing that I find so interesting is that a lot of comedians, and I'm not saying this at all with judgment because I think everyone has their own system. A lot of comedians don't use a calendar. Really? I find that. Well, oh, they do. I don't know. But like I'll know, right? I'll wake up in the beginning of the day if I haven't done it the day before and say, hey, here are the things I'm going to do. Here are the mics I'm going to hit. And I put the addresses in. I build in time in between. Like if I'm going to go get dinner in between mics, like I'll... Uh-oh. <laughs> we have a special guest. Oh, it looks like food. Did you order in McDonald's? <laughs> McDonald's is three minutes away. <laughs> oh, my God. Enjoy. I hope you're loving it. I had to, and I, I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, some people don't use a calendar. For me, like I find it. You know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Is like you only have so much mental real estate. Why waste it on that? Yeah. I'd rather just dump it into my calendar, and then I can look and be like, oh, you know, at. I'm making this up. Like at 6 p.m., I have to be at Cinema Bar in Mar Vista, and I've already look, used ways to look up how fast I can turn around and get from there to wherever, get to Ice House at 7.30 or, you know, the Pikey at 9. I'm literally just throwing random. Yeah. I think Pikey's now at 10. But whatever, you, whatever you're doing, I put all that stuff in my calendar so I know so there's no mystery to what I have to do that day. Yeah, and there's little steps in between that are like hidden steps that you forget, like, like what you just said, wazing it. Yes. For beforehand because oh, yeah. you'll just forget and then you'll made an assumption that something's so far away and you're just so wrong and then you're screwed. Oh yeah. And, and the other, you know, the other thing I do, I mean, this is all sounding crazy. I don't know if this is helpful for anyone, but like I block time in my calendar for travel. You so, should, you know, cause that's the actual time that takes time. I was over ambitious with my calendar and I would just kind of list my to do's that I wanted to do for a certain day, but didn't estimate how long things would take. Oh yeah. And I didn't like take into account like traveling between destinations and it just didn't work. It's so hard. You know, here's the thing. Maybe one day, 50 years from now, you or I might make it big. Not, I mean, whether it's through comedy or like just financially is what I meant, but like make it big such that you can afford a driver and then you can get things done while you're in the car. But that day is not coming anytime soon. So all I'm trying to do is, you know, maximize 
what I do in the car and figure out, okay, here are the things that need to get done in a day. I'm going to calendar everything. Like what's, you know, what, what's really funny is uh, my sister finds it super silly when if I'm coming to visit in, you know, my sister lives in Oakland and if I'm coming to visit her, that I'll drop on her calendar, a calendar invite for when we're going to meet up for dinner. She's like, that's so silly. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Like it helps me organize and I put you on there so I can see that you've RSVP'd. And because I know it'll pop up on your calendar 10 minutes beforehand to make sure that you are tracking to what we're doing. That is smart when you make engagements with someone instead of just putting it on your own, just inviting them. 100%. So they have it on theirs. I but do. But some all the people time. don't check theirs. That's the thing. You have to both mutually know that you like check calendars. Yeah, it's funny. There's um there's a comedian named Julia Austin and one of the, you know, uh, uh, her and her boyfriend Nick are two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. But one of the reasons that like uh, Julia and I get along so well is because anytime we talk about like, you know, hey, a group of us should all go get dinner and we both pull out our calendars and then we put it on and we invite the other one. So like you have it all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great. It sounds really old person-ish now that I'm hearing it out loud. I mean, it's smart. You have to have some sort of scheduling system to, to like function. 100%. I mean, it's very business-like, but you have to operate like a business to be a, a good, like effective comedian in a way. I find And it, person, but. I do find it so funny when you talk. It's such a sad thing to say. No, I don't think it is. It I, sounds sad. When you talk to comedians who, you know, who are just like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of figuring out what to do. And I'm kind of like, hey, you know, if you want this to be your job, start acting like it is your job. Yeah. You know, like treat it like it's a job, you know, figure out your goals. I, I, I have a, a weekly, uh, monthly, quarterly and annual goals that I look at. And it's not so much like do 300 mics. I don't think there's value in that, but I, it, and that's not to say that other people won't find value in that. But I do think for me, I do set these goals and I track to it because if you're not setting goals for yourself and you don't have yardsticks of measurement of success for yourself, then you have no idea what's happened between now and 12 months ago. Yeah. Other than just guessing you're better. That's so true. I feel like, yeah, I do a good job at like maintaining habits and having a good like organizing system to do what I want to do, but I don't have a good um, tracking progress necessarily. I guess I just like consider if stuff is completed, it's going forward, but I don't like have a metric. Do you have like a metric of like, I want this many followers, I want. Oh, no, um, no. I'm definitely not the best social media person. I will I will be the first to admit that. Um, so I don't, I don't have those goals. Maybe I should, I don't. Uh, no, I think it's more like, you know, I, I, I told this to someone literally in the past few days. Um, Comedy is an interesting thing because the harder you work on your jokes, um, the more you refine them and the less time you actually have, right? So, you know, you want to have 10, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you want to have, the more you work at it, right? You take a joke that was three minutes, you find ways to trim it down, make it more impactful. Now that joke is a minute and a half. You just lost half the time you had. I do look at metrics like that to kind of see, you know, can I, how long does it take me to have a new 10 minute set, like a solid new 10 minute set? How long does it take me to recreate that? How many mics I look at, hey, you know, when did I first start introducing this bit to when did I feel confident? Oh, it took, and I'm making this up, like it took 30 mics and 20 shows for me to figure out exactly what this bit was. So I'll look at those things 
Um, I look at the, when I break down the end of the year, I look at the mics I went to, I look at the number of times I went to each one, what the expenditures were. If you look at time and miles and all that stuff, um, and what I thought gave me the most value, I look at the mics I went to the most that I didn't even get my name drawn. And if that was worth going Well, you literally look at it like an ROI. 100%. Oh yeah. Like how much money goes into it and then what you're getting out of it. Absolutely. Like I won't name any particular mics, but there is a mic that I used to go to more often. And I kind of looked back at the end of last year to kind of say like, okay, like what am I finding value in and what I'm not? And I also have all my sets recorded. And so I, I had a gut feeling that like I was getting the least out of those experiences. And I listened back and I was right. Um, and so I stopped going to that mic as much because between the, the amount of time it took to drive there and drive back, in addition to the, the to your point, to the, the return I was getting on my time, it was not worth it. It was a bad investment. Interesting. No. How do you track your like improvement of jokes and stuff like that? Um, it's weird. This is a bad answer, but I think, you know, I, I write down every single set and I have it all in a spreadsheet so I can kind of see how things are moving and when I phase out a joke because I'm like, this is dead in the water. Uh, some jokes only last one mic, you know, some jokes will last 20 and then I'll decide it's garbage. Um, but you can start seeing, and again, this is like a, a bad answer for those that are not visual people, but I can start seeing when joke a joke kind of starts consistently appearing and I also color code. So shows versus mics are different. Once I start seeing in the in the color that is shows, these bits starting to appear more and more often, that's kind of when I start saying, okay, this is a winner. And then it goes into like a different category of, of jokes where it's like, hey, these this is show worthy material. Yeah. You know? How do you like develop your material over time and maintain that just from writing it down? I don't write I don't write any of my stuff down. Oh, wait, didn't you say you just wrote it down? I mean, I write down what the name of the joke is, but I, mean, oh. I don't write down what my jokes are. You just remember them. Yeah, so I won't like... Some people write... And record them. Uh, yeah, and I record and listen back. Some people write word for word. Um, I can't do that. Um, you know, I have a, a joke that, that is, in my, uh, is in my notes as multicultural, right? Because I get up. I, I used to work uh, in multicultural marketing at General Mills. So that's all I have written. Literally, if you go through all of my phone, any of my notes, I do not have that joke written out, but it's now three minutes long and it's what I want from it. And I'm sure hopefully it'll continue to get better, but it's, you know, I bring it out in shows now and, you know. Do you ever have a good joke that you just haven't done in like two weeks, a month, a year, and you have to go back to it? So yes. So I feel like I might have seen you right after this happened because I might have talked to you about this. I, um... I, I had uh, a girl, uh, you know, who I am seeing visiting me and due to unfortunate timing, I ended up having uh, three shows in the two nights that she was here. And I said to her, hey, I, you know, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, I want to see these. And, you know, one was a 15 minute set and the other two were 10 minute sets. And I said to her, I was like, well, don't worry, I'm not going to make you hear the same thing. So I did three completely different sets for her. And the first, the 15 minute set was like an older set of jokes that I used to do like maybe two, two years ago, a year and a half ago. So I had to redo, like I, I ran some of them a little bit at mics here and there, but like had to do 15 minutes I haven't done in at least 18 months. And how do you remember it? You just remembered it or did you listen back? I listened back to like a couple, but you know, once you catch it, I think 
once you catch the rhythm again, you remember it. You know, so I think like I had to listen back to the first two of of the fifteen minutes to be like, what were these again? And once I heard them, I was like, oh, I remember exactly the rhythms of this set. Oh wow! Yeah. So you mostly just remember memorize it pretty well. Yeah, I, once you say something like a million times, you know. What yeah, I mean? it's like built in. Yeah. So you work at Google I and do. you do comedy. Uh, how is that balance like? How how is that? Um. It's hard. It's hard. I think there's no other way to say that. I think that um, sometimes, you know, when another comic finds out that's where I work, their reaction is kind of like, oh, it must be nice, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, um, yeah, there are elements that are helpful for sure. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have um, a regular paycheck coming in and I can afford my rent, which is, you know, wonderful uh, to be able to do. And, and things like that. So on that side, it's great, um, you know, but also I'm working all the time. You know, I, I, I get up in the morning, I work my day job, I do mics. When I get home from mics, I work more. Um, I work Saturdays and Sundays during the day because I lose time having gone to mics during the week. I lose time that I need to then make up for on the weekends. Um, you know, so I think that I, I like it. I really, you know, I, I enjoy what I do during the day. I enjoy the people that I work with during the day. Um, and it affords me certain things, you know, the ability. I don't I never have to worry about paying for gas uh, to get to all these mics, you know, and do these things. And like I just said, I had to fix a part of my car. I didn't have to stress too much about that. Um, but, you know, everything comes at a cost, you know. So I... Um, if there's some real fun gathering on a Saturday during the day where everyone's like, hey, let's go day drinking. I'm like, that sounds so awesome, but I have a lot of work I have to make up that, you know, that I that I have to do. So it's a balance. Yeah. You know? So you have to end up uh, working your day job on the weekend, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for oh, sure. Wow. So you wouldn't say that working there is easier than another job. Probably way harder. Um, I, you know what? I wouldn't compare it. I, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's fair. You know, I know, yeah. um, another comic that worked at, uh, worked at a sandwich shop that I really like. And I imagine that job was super tough. I am, you know, he, I know he opened and he closed and like, you know, there are, I imagine that job is hard. I, I would never compare what, what he did oh, to, yeah, yeah. to what I do, but you know, I think that, um, in the way that he found that job challenging, I find my job challenging and, um, you know, I am willing to, there are certain things that I don't get that he, he did. Other people do, you know, some people that work as servers or baristas or bartenders maybe have a little more flexibility than I have and things like that. Um, you know, so I think there are benefits to both, you know, but it's definitely harder than people think it is. Yeah. You know, people here where I work and they're like, do you just nap all day? I'm like, no, Jeez, yeah. No, I would love to. I love napping, but no, I do not do that. Through your job, you have a pretty cool opportunity to interview people, it seems like, like celebrities yeah. and comedians and stuff like that. Yeah, How's yeah. that? It's fun. I, I think like that, you know, that is a thing where I think that's the closest maybe that, that my that my my comedy pursuit and my day job intersect. What I, is that thing called again? It's called Talks at Google. And that's a public yeah. Serious. Yeah, you can. I not that not that it could be publicly attended, but all of them are filmed and on YouTube. Um, 
I just did one with Jay and Silent Bob. Um, that one's up on YouTube now. I did one previously with Emilio Estevez, and I did one with the creator of the FX show Snowfall. And you know, yeah, I I I love that. It really does feel like that's one of the few times that there is a uh, a beautiful intersection between what I'm good at at night, what I'm good at during the day. That's great. How did you get that at your job? <laughs> I uh, there's a team at at my job that does that, and. Uh, who are absolutely wonderful. I love everybody on that team. And um, I just started attending some of their meetings just as kind of a silent participant. And they needed someone to do a talk uh, to moderate one. And I have some experience moderating um, back from when I lived in Chicago. And um, so I, you know, threw my hat in the ring just on a whim completely. And uh, and they, you know, kind of let me get baptized by fire a little bit and I, and I did it and it went well and I kept doing it. And wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's it's, a cool opportunity. Yeah. It's fun. It's tough. It, moderating is, is a very different experience, but it's fun. Have you ever developed like relationships with people there that have extended outside of like into comedy and stuff? Um, not necessarily. I've gotten some very sweet notes from people. Um, you know, and I, and I think certain relationships that are not beneficial in my comedy, but they're just nice. You yeah. know, I've run into a, um, the, a PR woman who was doing a campaign for one of the people I interviewed and I've run into her now a couple times just around and she's very nice and it's just nice to have, to be able to run into her. And she sent me an incredibly sweet note after everything was said and done being like, you know, that was one of his favorite interviews and blah, blah, blah. And so I think that stuff has anything paid off in the sense that like, am I, you know, getting to do big shows or anything like that? No, but you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I still enjoy it. Yeah. That's a really fun thing to do and meet cool people. Yeah. Just for the hell of it. I mean, I grew up watching Mighty Ducks and I got to sit down across from Emilio Estevez and have a conversation. That's so great. Um, and, and spoiler alert, nicest guy. Um, you know, I sat down with Jay and Silent Bob, who I also watched as a kid, Kevin Smith incredibly kind incredibly kind incredibly gracious incredibly grateful for everything that you know has happened in his life even he was grateful because he had a heart attack i mean that's insane wow what why because it gave him a, a new understanding of what he wanted to do with his life jeez what a grateful man i know such a grateful guy such a kind guy you would never i mean not that you think he's mean but you don't think about you know jay and silent bob and think what sweethearts you know? <laughs> but they were you know, so I do think that it gives you a little uh, look under the hood as to like, hey, no matter how successful you are, um, you should still be nice. Yeah. And, and people, you know, like Emilio or like these two or, you know, uh, 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 the cast of Blood and Treasure, you know, which is some CBS show. And I interviewed them also all very nice and gracious. And it goes such a long way because now I'm cheering them on. You know, if I see any of these people I've talked to, I have not met someone who's who I'm not going to cheer on because they've all been pretty great. That's all. That's cool. Yeah. It's nice to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? I feel like not a lot of people are necessarily like that. Probably not. So that's cool that you're having these great experience. That sounds so cynical. A lot of people are like that, but I feel I've also met the other like side too. I'm sure we all have. Yeah. You also hear things, right? Like especially in comedy, right? Like you hear like, Oh, so-and-so and they name like some big name and some person with Netflix special. Like, Oh, so-and-so is a total ass. Yeah. Right. But, Maybe you just had a bad night with them. You know, there's a yeah. comic who who I will not name who who is who is relatively big who I had a bad experience with. Um, but a big a, comic. What's that? It's a big comedian. Yeah, big comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a very bad experience with this person, and a very good friend of mine uh, has had great experiences with this person. 
and you know when when uh, this friend was telling me that they were like oh that person is actually like really good it, it gave me it forced me to reevaluate my own perspective and be like you know what we all have bad days and I probably caught this person on a particularly bad one yeah that's it that's a good way to look at things yeah they don't, nice empathetic approach yeah they don't owe me anything and um, you know I'm sure they're great and they were just having a rough day that's great so for your comedy aspirations, what are you aiming to do in the near future? In the near future? I was going to say, what am I aiming to do? I have goals and dreams. Yeah, um, where are the dreams? It no. doesn't have to be near, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I always think it's so funny when you ask someone what their dream is and they go, oh, I'd like to be better at comedy. Yeah. And I go, that's your whole dream. That's the whole thing. I was like, you can dreaming. It's imagination. You could literally do anything. You could say, I want to be a flying comedian where I grow wings and I fly over this town and I tell jokes. But your thought was, I just want to get a little better. Yeah. What a, what a, wow. What a conservative dreamer. I know. So you must have big dreams. I do. I mean, you know, I'd love to write and star on my own television show. I think that's a, a, a pursuit I'm incredibly interested in. I would love to have a special at some point, but the reality is I don't think that I'm at, even close to ready for that now. But I do think the harder, you know, just have to keep working and working and working until I am ready. Um, you know, I, I'm a published playwright. I would love to write another one. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that process and uh, that, you know, hopefully it could, you know, maybe make it uh, actually on Broadway would be really That'd awesome. be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, do do that that kind of thing. Um, I did a web series I would love to do a second season of. I thought that was a blast. And you produced it yourself. I did. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting. I, I meet so many comics with such killer ideas half the time, and I'm like, oh, my God, do that. And they go, ugh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, why? Why? I think that people are – paralyzed by the idea not everybody but some people get paralyzed by the idea of doing a thing because you know my dad used to share the best advice with me he said um you know pursuing your dreams is a, a lot of us self self-sabotage in, in pursuit of our dreams and the reason that we sabotage ourselves is because coming face to face with your dream whether you succeed or fail you have to be willing to give a piece of yourself away so if you fail you have to give the piece of yourself away that always thought you could succeed. And if you succeed, you have to give the piece of yourself away that always knew wanting that. So if you walk around and let's say your dream is to make it on SNL, if you walk around and every day you say, I want to make it on SNL, that's my dream, that's my life goal, and then you make it on SNL, it strips the part of you that knew wanting that. Yeah. Because now you can't say that's your dream. You got it. Too late. Got to re-register. Got to recalibrate. You know, and so my dad always said that. He said, never be scared to come face to face with these things because giving a part of yourself away is a beautiful thing. And so I think, you know, when it comes to something as simple as like, you know, producing your own web series or filming something you've written, it's it's scary. It's scary to kind of face it. But sometimes it's kind of nice to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this thing. No matter if I succeed or fail, it's a beautiful thing that I'm going to give a part of myself away. Yeah. And hopefully some people can enjoy it. That's a great way to look at things. Yeah. People are really resistant to doing things that they think they're really good at. I, I definitely see myself doing that a lot. Do you do that? Yeah. I like, feel like you do that. Well, um, I don't know. Like specifically, uh, like I want to do more character and impression stuff. And I feel like I end up prioritizing all this other stuff, too. Why? Um, I, get, I don't know. I, get my pri I have a lot of other priorities. I have to just evaluate my priorities. I don't know. I have a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. your Tony Robbins is great. 
Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. But and that that is, I mean, that's an impression. Yeah. But is that like one that you did? You knew you were good at it, and then you're like, oh, I got one, and I don't need to jump in any others, right? Well, now. I guess it's more like I'm not being fair because I did consciously prioritize other things, and like I haven't been working on my stand up as much recently. Sure. I've been like prepping on my roast show, my regular job, um, posting. I'm trying to post every week to social media. Sure. And um, yeah, I've like I don't know, I feel like it doesn't sound like that much. I have a lot to do. The roast battle next week. Exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Was that here or traveling? Here. Nice. Roast battle. Yeah. Oh, the store. Oh, oh, I was thinking about your tech roast. Yeah. No, I so saw my tech roast uh, in Denver. Oh yeah. So this past weekend, so I was prepping for that. I'm always like prepping for something, but I need to find that consistent habit of doing the regular stand up yeah. right now. Yeah. You in know, between I, it all. I think the, the biggest thing for me, I feel like I sound so frou-frou right now, which is fine. But I do think that for me, something I have to remind myself constantly is to not be too hard on myself. I think it's so easy to beat ourselves up. You know, um, someone, I was talking to someone yesterday and they offered me time on a show that I'm really excited about. And they said, how much time do you want? And I was standing with a friend of mine, right? Another comic. And they said, how much time do you want? And I felt guilty that they were giving me a spot. So I said, uh, uh, seven minutes should be fine. Right now, I wanted 10, but I said seven. And my friend afterwards was like, you know, if you'd said 10, they would have just given you 10. And I was like, yeah, I don't know why I said that. And I went home and just like thought about it for 30 straight minutes. I was like, why did I do that? And I just started beating myself up. And to what end? Like, that doesn't help anyone for me to be like, oh my God, I asked for three last minutes. I'm just gonna make myself feel horrible about this because I was so dumb for 30 minutes. Like, what? purpose yeah. does that serve and once I realized I was doing that I was like oh my gosh why am I being so hard on myself and I that's three tasks <laughs> that's nine dollars right where instead I could say hey you know what I asked for seven minutes and I'm gonna give them the best seven I can and why would I ever beat myself up for this like someone offered you this time and you accepted and just go out there and and do your best and be gracious for the opportunity like why yeah. am I beating myself up for nothing Ridiculous. Yeah. But we all do it. I know. People should have more self-compassion. It's very hard. I mean, even look what you, you said just now. You were like, yeah, everything I just talked about feels like it's not too much. Like, I don't know why that sounds so daunting, but it is. And I'm like, give yourself a little credit. Like, what you just described is, that is a lot. Um, you know? And it's okay to say that. I do think we have a weird culture of being busy for the sake of being busy, and I think that's problematic, but I don't think that's what you're doing. Um, so I think, yeah, we all could be a little more compassionate. To cool. ourselves and everybody. Thanks. I, yeah, I feel like uh, I could definitely use it. I've been trying to do that more. I think it's definitely very healthy yeah. to be more self-compassionate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially when you have so much stuff to do. And then you're kind of, by nature of doing one thing, you know, there's an opportunity cost where you're not doing another thing. So you just have to accept that. You can't do everything at the same time. No. no. Yeah. I, you know, one thing I said to someone the other day is they were like, you know, I keep trying to like have a night off, but, you know, people keep you know, asking me to do things and I feel guilty and because they ask if I have plans, I say no. I said, doing nothing is a plan. If you plan to do nothing that night, if someone says you have plans, you can say yes because you do. You plan to do nothing. That's a good plan. Sometimes you need to do that, you know? But I, yeah, I just, I, I think there's always going to be things that need to be done. You know, I did not necessarily love my time working at General Mills, but what I will never forget is that the woman who worked next to me had this little block of glass on her desk 
and or, or you know maybe it was like fake crystal I don't know what it was but it had an engraving in it that said 70% and I once I once asked her I said what does that mean and she said it's a reminder to myself that I'm never going to be able to do 100% of the things I need to do but as long as I get 70% done of the things I plan to do that day I'm going to go home and it was like a very powerful thing for me because I always remember that you know we're never going to be able to do everything if you want to do a podcast film a web series go to 15 open mics in a week do 10 shows do you know go go on the road do all this stuff um, you know, and come up with eight sketches and film them all. Great, that's wonderful. And I'm so excited for whoever that is who has those pursuits. It's not possible. Yeah. It's not. You know, Dave Chappelle had a massive output on the Chappelle show, but he wasn't doing 15,000 other things at the same time and had a room full of writers. He's considered one of the best. He and Neil Brennan created that, considered two of the best sketch writers. You think they were pumping out 50,000 sketches a week? No. But we hold ourselves to insane standards, again, because we have no compassion for ourselves. And then we beat ourselves up for not hitting standards that are completely impossible to hit. That's so true. Um, so what do, what I want to ask, what do you think is, uh, are you looking at like transitioning full time at some point, this total pivot um, into comedy from tech? I mean, first off, I love a good pivot. I really do. Um... I don't know. I would love to. I would love to do comedy full time. Um, but I think I would be naive if I if I said, yeah, and I'll be able to do that in the next six months. No, I don't think that's likely. Um, but I would love to do that. You know, you, you hear a lot about the um, the fire movement, right? Have you heard about this early retirement folks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and anyone who's interested, if you just Google fire and the word retirement, you'll find it. It's about early retirement. And you hear of these people who are essentially like eating rice and beans every single day. And, you know. I don't uh, like that part. Right. No, I don't either. I don't love I like the idea beans. of early retirement. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You want to have everything in the I want the, the early retirement. retirement. I want to retire with the wealth of a regular retired man, but early. Okay, that sounds wonderful. That if sounds you figure great. that out, That sounds ideal. No, I would love that. But I think like people talk about that, you know, uh, uh, and these people are essentially trying to retire early, but they're not able to live out the things that make them happy in the meantime. You know, you hear the expression youth is wasted on the young, um, you know, because a lot of us, you know, when you're retired, a lot of those people do all the things that are not as potentially uh, fun or that they're not as easily able to you know as easily able to achieve as they would be if they were younger so i think what i'm trying to do is like i would love to transition eventually but i'm even if i don't do it soon i'm going to make sure that i'm still doing all the comedy that i want to do in this time of my life and really pursuing the shows i want to do and writing the things i want to write and you know i'm 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 you know writing another play right now and you know, doing all that stuff and not waiting. And even if I'm not doing it full time, that's not an excuse to not be working as hard as I can. That's great. Yeah. That's good yeah. advice. Do you want to do that? I'm assuming you want to pivot full time. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I do. Um, not, I'm trying to figure out how I can lower my expenses as much as possible and raise my passive income. Passive income is, yeah. I mean, that's the dream. Yeah. You know, I, we all, you, you know, you and I talked once, I remember about bigger pockets and yeah, talking the real about, estate community. Yeah. And do real estate, finding ways of passive income, you know, designing courses or things like that. A friend of mine made a significant amount of money, um, designing courses about, um, a drone operation. Really? Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. Now he has his own company. 
you know, but he started by doing classes for, you know, e-classes for people. It's interesting, though, because even talking about passive income, you can sure make a certain amount of income, but then you have to watch that you don't become enslaved to it just as if it's a regular job anyway. 100%. Because then you're doing the same thing. That, well, it just becomes the golden handcuffs of keeping you in there to continue to, to you know, keep that fire lit. Yeah. So it's the same exact problem. Even if you're still making a lot of money doing your own thing, you might still have to. Yeah. That. And I think that, you know, I don't remember who did the study about once you make over $70,000 a year, you're no longer, like, you don't get additional incremental happiness or that where the happiness, you know, kind of becomes... 70, really? Yeah, I think that's what the number is. Don't don't hold me to that. I mean, who's ever listening, go look that up on your own and, and let me know what you find. I'm imagining if you're not saving anything. At 70? Are you saving money to still? I think it's just a matter of if you make 70, that's your the Your quality peak. of your life doesn't change after that? Yeah, not the quality of your life. Your happiness doesn't change. Oh, because quality of life and happiness are two, you know, are, are, are uh, respectively different. But I do think... Um, you know, I, I never want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, I don't make boatloads of money, but I never want to lose sight of the fact that even if I'm not making boatloads, that money still isn't everything. Um, you know, my my sister on Saturday gave birth to uh, my first ever nephew. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Um, it's her first kid. And like, you know, I saw a picture of this child. My sister sent me a photo. I saw a video of this child. This kid is not worried about how much money he's made in the less than six days he's been alive. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care. Well, you know what he's thinking about? Breathing, opening his eyes, looking at the, the world that he hadn't seen before. It's a nice reminder that, like, money is not really everything. It's important to live, but, like, you see that. You see the life of a this this little kid. I mean, I can't tell in the photos because she's not holding up, like, a quarter next to him, but he looks small. But, you know, he's still kicking it. Like, he's he has not been, uh, you know, intellectually contaminated by the ideas of financial pursuit. Yeah, not yet. So I try and remember Luckily. that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Do you have any uh, podcasts or things that, uh, I don't know why I said podcasts, but do you have anything that you have that you want to plug or... Um, gosh, I, you know, I do uh, a monthly show at Westside Comedy Theater called The Jump Off, uh, which is a lot of fun. So people should come out to that. Then the next one, I don't know when this goes up, uh, but the next one's on December 26th. Um, once you've gotten tired of your family on Christmas, you should come out. Um, and then starting February, we're the first Thursday of every month. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, throw me a follow on Instagram, J and Twitter is Josh Lanzette, and uh, come say hi to me if you ever hear this. I, I, I always like saying hi to people. People cool. are nice. Nice, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course.